Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. Warehouse Finals Fever Sale and find 20% off the Wagner Body Science range. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepaid plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. CNZ, four minutes past six o'clock on the 21st of June. It's well and truly winter, isn't it? Gee whiz, it was cold this morning. Louis and Kempi here for your Tuesday. Kempi, how are you? Morena, morena, Louis. I am very good, mate. Yeah, it's freezing this morning in Makarihi, Riri, Kiwaho. Cold outside, bro. Cold outside, but. Um, it is probably one of the nicest times of the year for me because uh, chuck a pair of jeans on, wear a t-shirt and put a scarf on. I'll probably get that time of the year for about a month. Yeah, it's really, it is strange yeah. to see you wearing a, uh, a scarf and jeans. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a sight that you just don't come to expect. I, you know, I thought it was cold, but then I think about those people working out there on the port and bluff, oh. you know, or out at TY. Or, or playing golf down at Queenstown. <laughs> Millbrook. Oh, he's doing it so tough, is he? Uh, he'll be on the show in about two minutes' time. I'm kidding. He will, he's fast asleep right now. But we do have a big show for you this morning. Today will be one of the great varied shows in the history of SCNZ. Maybe sports radio ever, Gimpy. We're going to go to all walks of life and to all places around the world to get our sports news and interviews today. Let's work backwards. Just before 9 o'clock, we're hopefully going to catch up with Dylan Brown. The pride of Northland, is he? Is that what we're calling him? Well, he's one of them, along with James Fisher-Harris, who are currently playing in the uh, Kiwis this weekend. So, mate, I'm excited about Dylan Brown. Uh, You know, he's a hybrid of Benji Marshall... um, you know he's he's a big five eight with lots of speed, and I, and I just think you know it's his opportunity this weekend. I hope I just really hope he gets named in that number six jersey, and Madge McGuire trusts this kid to go out there and represent. Uh, I'm looking really looking forward to talking to him because I'm talking to someone that uh, I guess I I had the opportunity to look after that jersey for a little while after great players who played it at Roger Bailey, Olsen Filipina, um, Fred Arcoy. Uh, and then was handed on from me down to, to Benji Marshall, Henry Paul, 
um, Gene Namu um, to say a few, and of course uh, a player that's still there in the team of Kieran Floyd. Yeah, so course. he's got a he's got a lot of uh, experience around him. Uh, he'd be excited. I read an article about him talking to Benji as he ran out to the game on the weekend, and and his comment was was so good. He went. Mate, that's Benji Marshall. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's like that, that one I told you when I ran out against North Sydney and North Sydney over and looked over and here's Mark Graham standing in the tunnel next to me going, man, that's Mark Graham. And you're, run, you're actually running out onto the field with him. So, um, yeah, man, that's a good get. And you're right, the uh, an eclectic mix of guests today. Yeah, so Dylan Brown, the Kiwis are assembled. They're doing their photo shoot. We'll do our best to catch up with him. Um before that, so we're working backwards, aren't we? This is complicated. Why would I do it this way? Uh, Paul, Paul Higgum, who recovered the US Open for the BBC because we've got a new major champion, Matt Fitzpatrick, who just scuxed this shot out of the bunker on 18th with this eight iron, this high fade. He had about oh, a 20-metre window to get it through. And he just, he put his big boy pants on and, man, Matt Fitzpatrick, just when England needed something to go with the States, I mean, the, the young golfers coming out of America, then you've got Cam Smith down here, you've got John Rahm. England, really, or the UK, British British golf is so important to world golf. So Matt Fitzpatrick stood up. We talked to Paul Higgum that covered that competition. Now, this is a personal highlight for me, Kempi. We're going to talk to a lady called Amy Kuperinski. She is the Star Ledger, which is New Jersey's biggest newspaper. The Star Ledger's features and entertainment writer. And we're going to talk to her about the Westminster Dog Show. Do you know much about the Westminster Dog Show? Oh, and no, I don't know much about the Westminster Dog Show other than what you showed me yesterday. And I have actually watched it on TV quite a bit because I find it quite entertaining that you can make a dog do that. And, and stop on a dime turning through um, slaloms, et cetera, et cetera. So, mate, apparently, and you you correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the first, one of the, or the second biggest event in the world. It, no, it's the second oldest annual oh, oldest sporting annual. event in America. Unbelievable. Behind the Kentucky Derby. And yesterday, B, the Shetland Sheepdog, won the 16-inch Masters Agility Championship. And B was on one. Wow. B, this little Shetland sheepdog, flying around the course, through the tunnel, up over the steps down, and then into her her owner's arms, her trainer's arms at the end. And it's just, you know, it's scintillating stuff. Look, dog shows is not something I know a lot about. I know that the, the, like the, and we'll talk to Amy about this, the main prize at the end of it, like the real prestigious prize is the actual dog show <laughs> where it's like who's which dog's groomed the best. And I'll show you a photo of last year's winner. <laughs> it looks like an alien. It doesn't look like a dog. And that's... And I, 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 got a, I got a story for that one too, mate, but I'll wait till... No, go I'll on, wait till go we, on. You want me to tell it now or you want me to... Well, is it about wait? dog shows? No, nah, well... <laughs> It's about grooming. Like, I'm a dog lover. I'm an absolute dog lover. I've got a Staffy. His name's Bruzy. He's a local local <laughs> dog out at Middlewai that goes and stays at everybody everybody's house. And, you know, great, great boy, my Staffy. But this is, a, this is a story about grooming, and it's about calves. <laughs> and my kids, like, I always brought my kids up on a rural um, property out at Coastville, and I went to a rural school because I wanted to get that rural experience coming from a rural town um, in Taranaki. My, uh, we did everything from plants to 
to rabbits to um, you know all sorts of all sorts of yeah, things. And we'd run yeah, we're sure. lambs. We're running out of things. And my kids said, you know, my girls last last year, probably, oh, can we have a calf, Dad? So yep, phone the mate up down the line. Um, phone Tezer up. He's a he's a dairy, dairy farmer. Ships a few calves up here, and uh, you know, my kids had nothing to do with them. And I didn't know that the extent of what calf day was. So you know, calf day comes around, and all we'd done basically is put them in the paddock, and let them eat grass. Oh, you hadn't groomed them. <laughs> well, mate, I had no idea. Seriously, yeah, I'd been in Eng- I'd been in England and Aussie for fourteen years, so I sort of lost a bit of that. Oh, a bit a bit of um, Izzy Dags, uh, country country clueless, you know. So get him on the back of the trailer, put the cage on, ride it off a mate, and get him down there, lift them. You can lift them out, you know. They're about oh, eighty kilos, so you can lift them out. I was oh, back veal. in those days, you know, <laughs> lifting these things out, put them on, put a put a rope around it, and try and walk it up to where all these other calves are. Well, my daughter, she's dressed up like Daisy Duke, you know what I mean? She's got the the, the hat and the, the things and. She goes off to see her mates and she comes sprinting back. You know, my, my boy's got one. He's six and she's like last year primary. My boy didn't care. You know, he's just sitting down with me. But the girl comes running back. And she's screaming. She's screaming at me, Dad, Dad, like this. And I'm going, what? And she goes, Dad, the cows are dirty. You've got to clean the calves like this. And I went, what do you mean clean them? Of course, my cows have got poo down their back legs and dirt everywhere. And she goes, come and have a look at this cow. Like this, like this. I walk with her, mate. I walk up to this cow. Not only was it clean, but they'd had it on steroids. It was bolted up <laughs> like it looked like. It looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And the coat was immaculate. And I just started to laugh. And she's bawling. And I'm like, oh, my God, okay, what am I? And here, here the Kemp's walked the calves into calf day that hadn't even had a wash. So, yeah, when I got a bucket, tried to scrub it down as best I could. And... Uh, had to beg her to parade it. And, of course, these other calves were pets, so they walked around, you know, sit, and the calf would sit type oh, thing. That's, that's sick. That is, uh, that's not right. And my, my kids were, well, my boy was funny. He was dragging his one around. I just had to calm him down. But, mate, I, I get it. I get it when, like you said, people say, you know, is a, the final show is about grooming and making these well, things look pretty. I'll mm. show you this. That's a wonderful story, and... I remember pet day at school being a big one, but then it always ends up going badly. Like, you know, your half-bred something gets off its chain and mauls it. Leithfield <laughs> 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 Primary School. Gee, I remember this one real bad day with the cat. Oh, you know, that's actually not that's not breakfast radio, but, yeah, the cat didn't go home. Uh, this is the 156th version of the Westminster Dog Show. I just want to show you Wasabi, the Pekingese that won Best in Show last year at the Westminster Dog Show, Kippy. Now, I don't know if anybody knows what a Pekingese looks like. Oh, there's it's, not a hair out of place, is he? would be proud of that. It's got its hair all the way down around it. It looks like, uh, I don't know, like a sea creature mixed with a cat, but it won a dog show, so work that out. So we're going to talk to Amy today um she covers the event each year she understands the prestige of it we're talking about the westminster dog show and yeah b the uh sheep dog won the agility yesterday so that's us if you've got any stories on dog shows do you enter dog shows do we have them in new zealand i would actually love to know in all seriousness i'm not being facetious at all i would love to know do we do or do we have anything similar to the westminster dog show 
of prestige or of note, surely somebody's nana is involved. or Surely somebody shows their Bijan or something like that. And then to finish us off today, Kempe, um we are going to actually cover the FINA story. So really, really, I would suggest groundbreaking vote yesterday by FINA, Swimming's world governing body, regarding trans athletes and not letting them compete in the women's um, disciplines or, well, in their uh, fields. So creating an open class and, yeah, a vote that was passed by 71% of the FINA members. We're going to catch up with President of New Zealand Swimming, who's actually himself a doctor. Uh, Dr. David Gerard, he's had a, a life in sports medicine he was a professor at Otago University. He's actually won a Commonwealth Games and the gold medal in the pool himself. So he's very, very well equipped to have this conversation with us and really just give us the lay of the land about where this context is, why f- swimming is the sport that has done this, because it's been a not an issue, but it's been a, a hotbed of discussion across multiple sports for a long time now. Why f- swimming is at the forefront of this is there a story or a case in particular, which I know there is? How has it gone down with the stakeholders and inclusivity in 2022, but fairness and how you balance those two things? And um, it's an interesting one that I know the IOC and other sports will be looking at worldwide can be. Yeah, look, it's a, it's a, I guess, a really delicate conversation um, in 2022. It would never have been had back in the, the, the mid to, oh, I guess, um, back into the 1900s, um, but I think it's a really courageous decision made by uh, swimming uh, the FINA uh, group to to say that look we've put a line in the sand and this is how we think um, equality and equity in our sport is best delivered. So it's not to say that um, it's an and it's exclu- it's an exclusive sport. It's about what makes uh, the sport and in the context of it, a fair um, competitive ground for everybody to, to compete in. So, you know, it's a, like like any courageous decision, someone has to make the first decision. And I think, um, you know, FINA, by making this decision, has really, I guess, put every every other sport on notice that, you know, decisions like this, you, you don't shy away from, you actually have to make them. Um, and I'm really looking forward to talking to David Jerome. Yeah, and... It is science-based, and I know he'll make that point. This is very much science-based by FINA. They have they have um, gone to long extents to make sure that this isn't opinion or this isn't there's no prejudice involved. This is about fear, and I know that will upset some people. But as former Great Britain swimmer Sharon Davies said, sport by definition is exclusionary. We don't have a 15-year-old boys racing in the under-12s. We don't have heavyweight boxes in the bantamweights. The whole reason we have lots of different classes in the Paralympics is so we can create fair opportunities for everybody. And that sums it up for me. And it's not about excluding anyone, but to a degree sport is exclusionary because you have different um, fields and different um, weight classes that you can compete in. So I guess in the interim now, it's making sure they can get this open class up and running because you don't want people missing out because they are marginalised, there is a, you know, trans people are marginalised already and the, the last thing you'd ever want to do is make them feel even more left out or excluded. Yeah, um, I think um, one of the big parts is, I'm, you know, often watching old movies and, you know, you get the old first um, Model T cars are driving around, you know what I mean? I think it's an, 
a big part of it is the evolution of uh, where we sit today and you've gone from an old way of thinking to a new way of thinking and, and this inclusive approach has its issues that you have to deal with. Like you can't, you, you cannot deal with it. You can bury your hand, head in the in the sand, which is what I call the ostrich, ostrich approach, mm. which a lot of sports do. Mm. Um, or you confront it and be courageous and talk about it and make decisions around it, which are you know obviously science based in this um, situation, but move forward with it so that everyone's got a clear understanding of what the competitive uh, arena looks like. Look, I'm I'm you know. Uh, supportive of what FINA uh, have done, you know, like they've, they've actually gone head on. They've gone head on and said, right, we're making a decision based on what's best for our sport. And and yeah, well, you know, they've obviously got. See, the other, the other thing about evolution is you never have everyone evolving at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you are always going to get a, a like a scale approach where one side of the scale outweighs the other. Yeah, that's um, a good point. But at least they, at least the decision has been, a courageous decision has been made. Well, it, it, actually, it's a vote. You're right. They've made the decision to, to give it to their stakeholders, but it's a vote. Their members have done it. 71% is a clear majority. Um, and uh, Dr. Dave Gerard, who's the president of New Zealand Swimming, has been very supportive of it. So we'll get his take on that. Jake, Jacob, you're in for Joe today. You were on drive Hello. last night. Are you with us? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Present? Yep, present. Of spirit, of mind? Yep, yep. Spiritually aligned with the show. Can you find us the can't wait question of the day sting on the board there? Oh. <laughs> that was a tough one. <laughs> Hold on, getting tears. <laughs> uh, it's a funny little madhouse around here, Kempi. Um, Joe's with Smithy today, and we're actually going to go out for a little field trip. Mate, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to go for a little field trip. Yeah. And uh, New Zealand Rugby, we'll talk about it throughout the morning, but New Zealand Rugby are uh, unveiling their 2025 strategy. Silver Lake deal's gone through. The All Blacks are training at Auckland Grammar. We're going to go down and have a little look. Excited? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope, I hope they've got a little coffee van down there. I'm going to get myself a nice coffee, have a look at the boys running around, reminisce a little bit, and uh, listen to what um, the future holds for. The new- I love, look, I really love strategy. You love I this love stuff. It. I knew you'd want to come. Yeah. So just, you love this stuff. Because you're always getting ideas, you know what I mean? You're, yeah. You're, the way people think, and you're always picking things up. And, mate, I think there's some big, there's some big changes coming in sport. I, in my time, I think there's some big changes coming in sport in New Zealand. Yeah, I knew you'd love this. It'll be a good day, actually. So we'll hopefully we'll have to report back and we might get some interviews out there tomorrow and work out where New Zealand rugby's going, where the All Blacks are at. Uh, Tim says A&P shows, Louis. Yes, I'm very familiar with A&P shows. The Amberley A&P show, the highlight of my social calendar from the ages of four till 16, and the West Auckland Dog Show says Jerome. <laughs> Make the Winter Show. Remember the Winter Show? Oh, you're probably too young, but we used to call it the Winter Show. And you'd go along and jump on these rides, which would be banned today. The thruster was the one you'd hop in. It was caught and it'd give you a, a heck of a fright. Um, but it wouldn't even get past the the uh, osh. What do you call that? Uh, health and safety. Health and safety these Just, days. You wanna... How did we get on those rides? Yeah, no ideas. All right. Can't wait question of the day. Bit different, but last week was one of the busiest sporting weeks of the year. Seriously, the amount of squads we had named, so we actually missed giving it a good go. 22 minutes past six. I have for you a double adult pass to go to the Wellington game of the All Blacks Irish match. Now, this is very exciting. 
Get behind our Māori All Blacks when they take on Ireland. Tickets at allblacks.com. Hopefully I said Māori All Blacks Irish match in Wellington. Uh, get them behind them. So you can go to allblacks.com and find your tickets. But this is really exciting. I've got you a double pass for the game. And all I've got to do is ask you, who's the player in the Māori All Blacks side for your can't wait question of the day today? Who you know could be at a higher honour and you're expecting them to go absolutely bang in this series against the Ireland. They've got midweek games here against Ireland, which is so cool for opportunity. It's so cool for rugby, as a rugby public, to be able to watch them. Double eight, double three, or even better, 0800 150 811. If you want this double adult pass to the Wellington Mouldy All Blacks Irish game, give me a call and tell me who's the player you know could be at higher honours and you're expecting to go bang. Kempi is with us after this, giving his answer. 23 minutes past six here with Kemba's Warehouse. Great savings every day. Game two of the 2022 battle between the Māori All Blacks and Ireland will kick off a massive international week of rugby in the capital. So you can go get your tickets at allblacks.com. It's the second of the matches. But I've got you a double pass. A double pass to the Māori All Blacks Irish game. Are you kidding me? This is awesome. Give me a call. 0800 811. Who's the player in the squad? that you know could be at higher honours. Richie, you're on the Kapiti Coast. Who you got, man? Hey, mate, I think uh, Reed Princip. I think he's just been unlucky with who he's had ahead of him um, his, pretty much his whole career. Like he, He's just a workhorse, and I think you know you put him into that environment, he's just going to excel one, even more, and you bring him back um, into Super Rugby, and he just, he's just going to keep improving. And yeah, You put him into that all-black squad and put him in that high-performance high environment, I think you're going to see him step up to a whole new level. So, yeah, he'll be my player that I think he's he's been just been unlucky, his, his career so far, yeah. uh, just to miss out. Ah, it's a really good point. He's just slightly under the radar, isn't Reed Prince yet, but he never, ever noticed him because he's never doing anything wrong, Richie. Great nomination from you, mate. Kempi, who did you come up with? Oh, look, I think there's a number, you know, a number of players. Tyrell Omax, of course, uh, Kurt Eklund, TJ Piranara, Alex Nankerville, but the guy that I, I think will push through and actually will get a shot um, before the series is over is Brad Weber. Um, I don't know how he missed out. I thought, you know, he was oh, close to the best halfback in the competition for me when I was watching it. Uh, tough, tough, tough character who's always on the ball. Um, and, yeah, he has to feel like there's an opportunity there through these uh, Māori test matches to probably push for higher honours into the all-black side. So Brad Weber would be my pick. Do you think, yeah, so the halfbacks is a really interesting one. You've got TJ there as yeah. well. And uh, look, those guys are so experienced. They know they know exactly what they need to do. Um, yeah, that's a really good one. I, I thought Tamaiti Williams, and Izzy made the point yesterday, we heard his name a couple of times yesterday. The, the way that the young bull absolutely dominated the Blues front row, if he comes out and buckles the Irish scrub a couple of times, you're looking at him like, whoa, hold on, is this the missing piece for our World Cup front row? Well, hundred percent. Like it all starts right there. You know what I mean. So um, the Irish will be having a look at that that Super uh, Final and going, well, you know, here's an opportunity for us to probably get one up on the All Blacks right right at the get go in the in the front row. And Tamati Williams has an opportunity to, to reverse that in the in the uh, New Zealand Māori team. Mate, there's a, there's some big matchups, and and obviously the great thing about this game is that. There's two teams that give players opportunities to push for 2023, the All Blacks and the Māoris. So I, I like how they've 
you know, basically got two teams playing in, in test matches against the Irish to finalise that selection. Because there are players in the side, Louis, that will go on that, that World Cup tour. Yes, you're, yeah, I completely agree with that. Hey, you get a free child with every adult ticket you purchase, uh, especially for this um, Wellington match. Adults from 20 bucks to 50 for a Category AC. Or you could just give us a text or a call right now. Who's the player in the Māori All Black squad you know could be at higher honours? i got a double pass to the match in the capital. Oh, what a fantastic prize this is. Yeah, and if you want those tickets, allblacks.com. But just get in touch with us. Double eight, double three. To Mighty Williams, Brad Webber, who's your nomination? Reed Princip, love it. 28 away from seven. Love racing.nz after this. Here is Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand. <laughs> It's 25 minutes away from 7 o'clock this morning. Gee, you'd love it if you opened the paper today if you're another Super Rugby coach and you saw the the quote, I don't stop, next to Scott Robertson's name. <laughs> I'm already plotting my 2023 championship. Oh, he's a great interview, wasn't he? He's a great interview. We had him on here talking about what his coaching career looks like. It really um, got me thinking about Scott Robertson yesterday after the show and, and what the All Blacks are probably what they have to change to keep them involved in the game here in New Zealand. So I don't I don't think, you know, everything will go directly Scott Robinson's way, especially if the All Blacks do win the World Cup. Um, if they do win the World Cup, mate, does he stay or does he go? No, it's a really hard question. Scott, uh, Sam White, like I should say, is also in doubt for the Irish series with a broken thumb. Man, you lose him out of your engine room. There's a lot of IP, as we've discussed yesterday, missing there. And Dave Rennie, and the other bit of rugby news is urging Rugby Australia to work with New Zealand Rugby and let's try and keep Super Rugby Pacific intact for as long as possible. I think that's the obvious thing there. We're going to talk some golf up after eight today. Matt Fitzpatrick, he's the latest major champion. We're going to talk Fina's decision around trans athletes and letting them compete and what class they will be competing in. And the Westminster Dog Show as well as a bit of rugby league. But loveracing.nz is your home for everything thoroughbred racing. And, and keep your messages, by the way, coming through on who is your uh, Māori All Blacks player that you know could be at higher honours. Who is it? Double eight, double three, or 800 150 I've got a double pass to the Wellington game for you. Loveracing.nz is your home for everything thoroughbred racing. And uh, this week, it's classic winter racing. We've got Pukakaui tomorrow. Down there, Auckland Thoroughbred Racing for that nice stake money. Omaru on Thursday, getting a rare meet. Otaki on Friday. And then Tauranga and Rickerton on Saturday. There is the listed Team Wheelands Tauranga Classic uh, Sprinters Winter, uh, ITM Jib Winters, Sprinters Winters Championship. Well, Phillies and Mears 1400 metre race on Saturday. Kimpi. You think I think you said a couple of weeks ago that Just Ask Me was going to be back at the races on the second of July, was it? Yeah, he'll be back next week uh, over in Hawke's Bay. That's what we're aiming for. Ah, yes, yeah. Two Saturdays time, Hawke's Bay. Love it. Okay. Yep. Not. I, sh- I assume he's not going over the sticks in the open hurdle or the. Open, well, you never know. Um, that long? Or the open steeplechase. <laughs> um, are we open handicap race over the 1,600 metres there, maybe? Perfect. Love it. Okay, good to know, mate. Uh, he's just looking for that bottomless track. Uh, it is deep winter racing today, though, really is. 
Um, and I actually had a look at the calendar earlier on. Uh, oh, last night, I had a look at the calendar, and gee, we're only, what are we, July, August, September. No, June, July, August, September. We're only three months away from the first group one of spring. It goes really quick. Does it Seriously. just rip yeah. around? Mataruki this week, Friday. Um, it whips you know through these winter months. Before we know it, you know. So I got a mate. He always he always um, he governs all of his life by surfing, and he 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 said to me one way that I look at it is like how many more summers have I got? Wow. Yeah, That's and when deep. you think about it like that. Because he, he he loves to surf during the summer, obviously as we all do, you, it's it's sombering. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I do know. You know what? Some people, some people. I've actually heard this before. Somebody, how many more Westminster dog shows do I have? <laughs> some people. That's what some people clock are like. They're just how many more? How many more sixteen inch agility championships can be the the Shetland Sheepdog win? You know. And that's what I'd be thinking about. But Matariki this Friday, we should at some stage this week have a chat about Matariki and what it means. And I did a little bit of reading last night, Kempi, just to try and be less ignorant. Mm. And, um, you know, how Matariki really went away for decades and kind of came back in the 2000s. And I thought it was actually, I don't know, you've probably got a bit of information on it you could share. Well, my, my tauranga uh, Māori and Matariki really is about how, how Māori used to um, live by the stars, you know. So, when one star, star shines brightly, they all got names. You know, Hinunui uh, Tarangi, which is one that um, Izzy was talking about, which is basically where you send all your dreams and aspirations to, um, right through to Waititi about when you plant, and it's all about the the ocean and the the whenua and the and when to plant, right down to to when it's best to um, to. I, I guess um, think about having children, you know. So, it's a really um, inspirational uh, part of Ma Tauranga, which is the the knowledge of Māori and how they used to live. Um, and down in Taranaki, we have what's called Puanga, um, which is a, another star um, in the Mātariki constellation, which my daughter actually talks about today in her in her uh, kōrero at, at Kura, uh, and how Tane and Ranganui um, and Tane especially. On his um, steps to Rangitu Haha, which are the steps to um, the greater the, gr- the greatness of Māoridom, used Puanga um, as the star to, to show him the way. So, mate, it's t- there's not enough time no. on the radio to talk about it, but it's a great way to celebrate uh, this time of the year. Tiara had um, uh, well, there's so many different. Yeah, researchers, or sorry, resources online that you can just go through. There was a great Twitter link, a Twitter thread I found last night. We can't do it right now, but before Friday is what I was going to say. Let's let's make sure we do a little deep dive onto it and actually block a bit of the show out. And I think it's important we do because we haven't had one before. So, well, I, look, I'll, it's a I'll, um, I, what I'll do like is I'll get us a guest to come on and, and talk through a little bit about Matariki. Um, because it will be will be quite good to, to just to share some knowledge. I think so. I definitely think so. 19 away from seven. Speaking of Māori All Blacks, um, we've got a great nomination for Alex Nankerville here, another one for Billy Harmon as well. So keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. We have a double pass for the Wellington match against the Irish to give you right now. Give us a call on 0800 Just because Izzy's not here doesn't mean Willamont travel, and we don't want to get you in the draw to potentially go to the Goldie 500, give us 
call 0800-150-811. Quizzy Dag after this. Shop the Chemist Warehouse Finals Fever Sale and find 20% off the Wagner Body Science range. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepaid plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. On your radio Giving you the chance to head to the Gold Coast Five questions for the win Supercars on the line 0800-150-811, you're mine it's Quizzy Dag, give it a go. It's Quizzy Dag, now don't you choke. It's Quizzy Dag, who knows the most. It's Quizzy Dag, we're going to the go-go. Yeah, that's right, you've got a chance to go to the Gold Coast for the Indy 500. Yeah, <laughs> what do you call it? <laughs> trying to get some Clip new ca- trying to get some Clip new callers it. in. Clip trying it. to get some new callers in. <laughs> the gold. You go to the what's called the Gold Coast Cup. That's right. Goldie five hundred. The Goldie five hundred. The Indy five hundred. Mate, we would have got some more people phoning in there. Anyway, we're going to going to the lines. We're going to Richie in Upper Hutt. Richie, good morning. Morning, Kempe. How are you, brother? Mate, we've got some... We've got some yeah, mean, I'm good. We've got some mean... trip to the US now. <laughs> yeah, brother. That's right. Yeah, we're going to go see uh, Lewis Hamilton and the boys, me and you. Just make sure you take me with you. Hey, uh, who won the US Open yesterday? Um, Sean Fitzpatrick's son, Matthew Fitzpatrick. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? That was my clue. They were picking it up. See, they're picking up the... the uh, that was my clue. Yeah, they're picking up the phone of Fred. I, look, I had Sean written down. My clue was, well, Grant Fox and Sean Fitzpatrick are two great All Blacks. Grant Fox has a golfing son. Yeah, nice. Nice, Louie. Even you're getting it. Okay. Question number two, Richie. Which rugby club has former All Black Charlie Nartoy signed with? Five, four, oh. three, two. Leicester. Oh! <laughs> it was very close. Sounds like. <laughs> oh. Unlucky, Richie. We're going to Anton. Anton, which which rugby club has uh, All Black former All Black Charlie Nartoy signed with? What did the last fellow say? <laughs> he Lister. said Leicester, and it sounds like. Ah, uh, Leinster. Well done, brother. All right, question number three. Which country does Liverpool's hundred million pound, geez, some decent money, striker Darwin Nunes represent? Darwin Nunes, it's got to be Latin America. Ah, Nunes, let's go. Oh, I don't have a clue. Um. I've got a clue. <laughs> I don't have a clue. Oh dear. Um, there's a bloke that tended to bite people that played in this jersey. 
That's a great clue. That's <laughs> not Mike Tyson. A, a bloke that tended to bite people that played in this journey. Wow. Uh, Come yeah, on. it doesn't help me. All right. <coughs> on you go. Unless you want to stab. <laughs> Boy, he's tough, mate. I'll, I'll phone a friend. He's tough. He's also got the buzzer. We're going to, to Anton. Anton, morning. You there, Anton? I think we just had Anton. Oh, sorry, John. We're going to John. G'day, Kimpy. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Sorry, we've got uh, a very tired man in the kitchen here. Uh, which country does Liverpool's $100 million uh, million pound striker Darwin Nunes represent? Oh, I'll go Portugal. <laughs> oh. Oh. Unlucky, Hornet. You missed out on that one. You're in the right area, though. Let's go to Gig. Go on, Giggy. Ryan. Let's go, Gig. Ryan. Ryan, which country does Liverpool's £100 million striker Darwin Nunes play for? Uh, is this Gig or...? Yeah, Gig. Sorry. Yeah, get, yeah, get this is... Yeah, yeah. Uh, sure. Uh, that'd be uh, Uruguay. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't have confused you by calling you Ryan. I just thought Ryan gigs you. Oh, all, right. <laughs> all right, we're nearly home. This is a long one today. Who is the current top try scorer in the NRL? Actually, there's two players here on the same. Um, either one. Either one will do. Close? Or is that the close? <laughs> oh, one of them's last name's the same name as a month. Okay, well, that was here. Yeah. Come on, boys. Let's go to Brenton. Brenton. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. How you going? Oh, Brenton knows this. He's a oh. leaguey. Yeah, mate. The, dys- the dyslexia is kicking in this morning, let me tell you. Who is the current top try scorer in the NRL? There's two. What Either one. Uh, I think Ruben Garrick is one of them, too, but I'm thrown by that month. Put nah. <laughs> nah. Oh, Tauki. Here we go. Morena. Morena, Morena. Morena, mate. Who's the current top try scorer in the NRL? One of two. Um, I think it's... Oh, Josh Adokar? No! We are are one person from going... I'm going in the draw. Okay. And we're with Uncle Brett. Morena, Uncle Brett. Morena, Kazi, Thailand, mate. Oh, oh there you go. There you go. And here I didn't know until you gave a clue. <laughs> All right. In the year 2000, New Zealand won four medals at the Sydney Olympics. Who won the only gold? Rob Liddell. Oh, too easy. And, oh. and Uncle Brett goes into the draw for the 54,000 time. 77th time. Thank you, Brett. Thank you, Kimpy. Uh, it's seven away from seven. We'll be back to wrap up the hour and get to your last Mouldy All Blacks text after this. Who is the Mouldy All Blacks player that could be in higher honours quite easily? I've got two tickets to the Wellington game against the Irish for you. You are, but Izzy's sleeping in a Millbrook. Good on him. And uh, we are up here, Kimpy and I. We're about to head off after the show today when Kimpy gets his cans on to uh, go have a look at New Zealand Rugby's 2025 strategy. That'll be cool. And see the All Blacks train. But the Māori All Blacks are playing soon as well. Lots of nominations for Weber. But, Kimpy, I loved Richie from the Kapiti Coast coming through with Reed Princep. And, Richie, you can have those two tickets to the Wellington game against the Irish. And there's a message from Troy here for you, Kimpy. Yeah, shot, Kimpy. Puanga Kaido at Parihaka. Beautiful times in the meanest feeds. Tihei Muriora. That was from Troy down in Taranaki. Yep, Taranaki Ha Puanga is uh, 
is about to uh, get some nice celebration. Of course it is. And um, if you don't know why we've got a public holiday on Friday, go look it up. Educate yourselves on Matariki and we'll just we'll continue to talk about it throughout the week. As we go get ourselves a McCafe coffee, here's Araha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping and building New Zealand and we're going to talk Fina after this. Shop the Chemist Warehouse Finals Fever Sale and find 20% off the deep heat range of muscle relief. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. CNZ, four minutes past seven o'clock. Welcome to your Tuesday morning. Gee, we're in the middle of winter thinking of all you good Kiwis working on the land up and down Aotearoa. Kempi, it's fresh out there today. Very fresh, very cold, but I don't know, it keeps you, keeps you alert you know, this time of year. Uh, wake up and, oh yeah, it's pro- probably one of the nicest times of the year, I reckon. I think so too. Speaking of being alert and long weekends, um, just... Look, hor- horrifying, horrifying news through Marlborough and the mm. whole region there around Blenheim and Picton. Just thoughts and prayers, honestly, because not just the, for the family that, oh, that's just sickening that car crash, that van, that, you know, nine, seven, seven family members lost from the same family, but the whole region down there, you know, when something like that happens around your, um, your region, Kempi, it really does hit home. So, yeah, speaking of staying alert, long weekend this weekend in winter, Pretty tough driving conditions. You've got to be aware, eh? Yeah, look, be careful out there. Um, you know, take time just to, you know, it is, it is very, very uh, sad news, that, that story down there, uh, Louis. And, yeah, look, when you've got kids, um, it really hits home when something like that happens. Yeah, multiple generations, three different generations in that van. Um, yeah, really, really tough stuff. But, yeah. Unfortunately, New Zealand roads are, are tough like that. Uh, we've just seen Mark, the listener, come in. He's wearing his Crusaders uh, scarf. We'll, we'll see if we can catch him a little bit later on, Kempi, because we've got to keep rolling on today. We're going to talk the Westminster Dog Show before the hour as well. But Mark, our listeners, rolled in with a Crusaders scarf carrying coffees. So that can't pick you up on a fresh morning. Nothing will. Um, but we've got plenty more to talk about throughout the day today, including some massive news that came from <laughs> overnight Yesterday, out of Europe, the swimming wheel champs are on at the moment. And I tell you what, if this isn't precedent-setting for sport worldwide, I don't really know what would what is. It could prove to be a landmark vote, which changes the way many sports handle in the area, which has been highly scrutinised for many years now. FINA, Swimming's World Governing Body, has voted to stop transgender athletes from competing in women's elite races if they have gone through any part of the process of male puberty. They will also aim to establish 
an open category at competitions for swimmers whose gender identity is different than their birth sex. Dr. David Gerard is Swimming New Zealand's president. He's also a Commonwealth Games gold medalist himself in his very own right, and he spent a lifetime in medicine and sports science, becoming a professor of medicine at Otago University. He's with us now out of Budapest, where the world champs are happening. Evening to you, David. How are you doing? Oh, kia ora. I'm, I'm doing well. It's a little bit warmer over here than I believe it is in uh, back home. Oh, it's fresh. You know what a good crisp. Um, yeah. Oh, well, you, oh, you spent a lot Dunners. of time in Dunners, mate. Oh. Gee whiz, how cold would it be there in uh, I mid-June? I did, yes. Yeah, yeah. I was a scarfie down there and then spent some time, uh, a significant amount of time at the university. So I know exactly what you mean. Hey, you've had a fascinating career in your own right, David. I think another time I'd love to talk to you about your all the different caps and hats you've worn throughout the, the years, but in particular now in this role and being over there at the World Championships with this vote, which I think is extremely significant for a lot of different sports in the landscape in general, how do you explain what's gone on and the enormity of what FINA has been able to do here? Sure. Well, you're quite right. It, it, it is a, a very significant move by FINA uh, groundbreaking and, and quite historic. But I would have to point out that, that what FINA has done may not may not suit other international federations because, you see, what we're wrestling with here is the, the sort of three-pronged attack as to how we deal with inclusivity, fairness, and safety. And for FINA, uh, yesterday we heard exceptionally good um, information proposed by specialists in, in medicine and endocrinology and exercise physiology. We heard from lawyers who were versed in, in, in um, you know, the, the international law regarding such things as transgender. Uh, the, the, then, then this was followed by two female athletes who were iconic in their own right. Summer Sanders, a, a USA Olympic gold medalist, and, and Kate Campbell, um, the Australian who was a multi-world and Olympic champion. And their voice really resonated throughout the room because despite the, the good, hard evidence produced by the science and then backed up by, by the, the legal fraternity, these women really gave the opinion of the biological female athlete and the importance it was to protect their rights. And I think that was the nub of the matter. Um, Inclusivity is important, and, and this is not meant to be a, a transphobic decision that FINA has made. Um, transgender people are welcome in aquatic sport, but we've got to balance their needs against the requirements and the needs and the rights of over 50% of the world's population, namely biological women. And so that was the balance. It was fine. It was justified. And I think FINA has come up with a, uh, a solution that's going to make uh, life a lot easier for um, the many, many female athletes who have been wondering what, what will happen and, and the likes of Leah Thomas in the United States was the case that focused a lot of attention on aquatic sport. Hey, David, I, I just want to take my hat off to everyone involved in this uh, this vote and this decision, and what a courageous decision it has been from FINA and its members, 71% yeah. of members voting uh, for this change of inclusivity, fairness, and, and, of course, safety, which has been right yeah. at the forefront um, on everyone's lips when you're talking about this. And I, I agree with you. It's not about transphobic um, statements or whatever. But the question no. I have, where do you see this standing in sport with FINA's decision 
um, especially for other sports that are trying to cope with the same issue. Yes, yes. Well, I, I see FINA as, as as being a bit of a trailblazer. I think as an in, in, uh, an international federation with with an investment in 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 fairness, um, it won't be the same uh, as we found with the pronouncement by World Rugby a, a year or so ago, which looked at safety rather than fairness. You, you know, you could imagine a transgender female rugby player, um, biologically male who has come into the sport with all the physical attributes that that male testosterone levels imbue their bodies with in terms of height. I mean, I have I have no permission to use him as an example, but just imagine if Richie McCaw decided to transgender and come back and play women's rugby. He he has benefited from male puberty. He is the, the size he is. He's got the um, cardio-respiratory capacity, he's got the muscle strength and all those characteristics that differentiate males from females and that's essentially why we have what we term binary sport, fairness to the female. So if if Richie came back and, and, and wanted to play in, in women's rugby, um, you know, the, the danger to other players, uh, th- this is the safety issue that is the balance that World Rugby looked at. FINA was looking more, apart from water polo, which is a, an aquatic discipline, of course, where, where safety would be an issue, um, there's no really necessary safety requirements in the pool. Um, swimmers swimming in, in individual lanes are not going to impede each other's uh, progress. So it's more fairness. So what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is that one size does not fit all, but FINA mm. at least has investigated the science, the objective evidence, which is irrefutable, and then come in with the, the legal opinion, and then on the balance of, you know, proportionality, uh, given the, the vote to fairness over inclusivity. And, I mean, that was the nub of the matter yesterday. Yeah, David, it, it, it absolutely was. And, look, I thought that you said a name before, Sharon Davies, and, it, look, I, I think one of the things that she said, which I thought was quite poignant, was sport by definition is exclusionary. We don't have 15-year-old boys racing in the under-12s. We don't have a heavyweight boxes no. with the bantamweights. The whole reason we have lots of different classes in Paralympics is so we can create fair opportunities for everybody. And I yeah. think that really hits yeah. the nail yeah. on the head. And now I know a lot of the attention will turn to this open class. And I think, yeah. as you say, well, not one size fits all, but an open class has been mooted for many sports in this situation before. What, um, I guess, what guarantees did you get from FINA that they were going to act swiftly so nobody was left out and we could get an open mm. class up and mm. running? Well, I think the FINA president made this statement right at the very end of the discussion, and it was long and, and, and uh, somewhat convoluted debate, but it gave every national federation that was present in the room, uh, over 180 of them, an opportunity to ask the right questions. And he said at the end that um, the door is not closed. Transgender athletes um, will be given an opportunity. How they're going to configure the open category still remains unresolved. And I think that's the, you know, the work that's still in progress. And and that's the thought that that, uh, he left us with. So to be quite honest, I can't I can't give you a definitive answer apart from saying that we're not talking about a huge number of athletes. Right. And that's that's part of the, you know, the debate we're having. You know, do we, do we do we expressly preserve the right of 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 biological female athletes or do we consider the the rights of a very very few number of of transgender athletes that have got to the elite level and 
and that and that's the balance of um, if if I said to you for example that there are 14 and 15 year old boys swimming you know good young male swimmers who are swimming times that would win Olympic gold medals if they were swimming in in the women's category and it's exactly the same in track and field there's there's been research done to show that these are changes that are that are consistent with the development of young males and the effects of testosterone on puberty, where testosterone levels are 10 to 15 uh, times higher. And and it's it's kind of, we, we've got to get like against like. It would mm. be like asking Dame Sophie Pascoe, an iconic Olympian, to race against somebody who has two limbs, two lower limbs. And, and, and Sophie, as, a, as a, an amputee, um, is, is racing against people with, with similar disability. And I think that comparison needs to be drawn and, and we need to be reminded of, of, of the fairness that, that is the fundamental premise upon which FINA made its decision. David, I, I, I really do get the fairness, the, the side of that equation. Um, and yes, you don't want to put people who are, who are running and swimming in Olympic times um, with, with the wrong makeup. You know, that's just that's yeah. logical. Um, but when you're talking in, in, inclusivity, for instance, you're to, mm. it doesn't matter to me whether it's one or it's a hundred. How how are you getting that voice to the table so that it's going back into that the the right areas to talk about um, the decision making and the process as far as an equity um, position goes? So so do you, my yeah. my question is, do you have transgenders sitting in through the decision making? Well, the consult- yeah, yeah. No, no, that's a very, very good question. Um, the independence of this um, expert group that was um, assembled by FINA um, did consult with, with uh, people who are well-versed in, in transgender. I, I'm, there were no transgender athletes um, on, on the, the group, um, but, but consultation was made and, and respect and understanding for the, the rainbow community, shall we say. Uh, was was inherent in what they were saying, but at the end of the day, um, I'm afraid it just came down to to fairness for the majority, and not closing the doors on inclusion. Um, and I know I'm starting to repeat myself, but um, you know we've we've got to draw a line in the sand. Sport New Zealand at the moment is looking at engaging in recreation and community sport and allowing complete. Um, Un, unrestricted participation by transgender um, a- athletes. Now that's that's good, and 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 I would welcome that. But I ask Sport New Zealand, where do you draw the line? Where do you say to a transgender athlete who joins a club and starts to do pretty well um, and makes a team or or performs in an individual sport, and then wants to compete at a provincial level or maybe even trial for a, a national team? Um, Suddenly you say, look, I'm sorry, this is as far as you can go. Um, is, is that right? Is that fair to them? Are we limiting their uh, development in sport? Uh, so, I mean, I think that's an issue that needs to be considered very, very closely as well in, in, this, in this general discussion. And, of course, when I make these statements, I'm, I'm accused of being misogynist, homophobic, transphobic, of you course. name it. I've yeah. been called all those things. But... Honestly, as a former Olympian who competed during the East German era, mm. now the men, the men that I swam against weren't as uh, as uh, 
benefited from the testosterone that was given to the, the East German athlete was mainly the women that benefited from that. But nonetheless, I, I was a part of that era. And now as a, a physician looking back, I, I say that that's no different. You know, whether the anabolic agents are of your own natural making or they're, they're given to you artificially, um, the rules should be the same for, for all people. And that's why FINA expects athletes in the transgender who have transgendered to to limit their testosterone levels to 2.5 which is about the level of physiological level for women you guys in the room and, and i will have a testosterone level you know somewhere between 30 and 40 but the physiological limit for women is around two and that's what fina has done implementing that objective measure as yeah. part of the process and so um that's that's part of the way they've approached it, and it's certainly um, uh, evidence-based. It's scientifically based, and um, yeah, I, I I feel that that's that's the way I can best explain to you. We've Very probably um, got got off the question, no, but no, um, I hope that that helps. No, yeah. you've you've been um, wonderful with your explanation, um, uh, Doctor. Hey. David, it's a really appreciate you. And just from afar, and obviously not being in the room yeah. and not knowing the ins and outs of it, it does seem like FINA has handled this in a really tactful way. And it's science-based, yeah. but, yeah, as I say, from afar and listening to you, I know you would have been called those names before and people do cop unfair criticisms when you put oh, your yeah, neck on yeah. the line. And I know that it's water off a duck's back to someone like yourself. But, um, you know, congratulations to getting to this point. And th- actually just thank you for coming on the show and explaining it in a fair and kind of concise oh. way that you have. No, look, thank you very much for the opportunity. And you mentioned Sharon Davies before. Just bear in mind that Sharon swam during that East German era, and it cost her a gold medal. She was a silver medalist to an East German swimmer who was subsequently proven to be using Mm. anabolic steroids, and that was the difference. And that's what really matters. You know, when you think of fairness in sport, you think of of those issues, the problems we had with the Chinese swimmers and track and field athletes. So... We don't want history repeating itself in that regard. And then I think we've entered an era now of, 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 you know, considering inclusion in lots of different ways. And this is just another challenge to us all. We want to be as fair as we can, but we've got to be fair to the, 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 the proportion, the greatest proportion of athletes who are going to be affected by this. And there'll always be some casualties along the way. And yeah, you and I have got to be thick skinned enough to, to handle that and, do our very best. And that's why I, I, I love what I do. It's a voluntary job. I'm over here working for the next two weeks, um, you know, tracking down COVID cases and trying to keep the athletes um, free of COVID and the officials. And, and we've got a medical team that we, and we just enjoy the privilege of being back in the sport that we love. And, and um, hey, that's for me the most important thing. Now, we might have to catch up with you on the actual swimming and uh, talk some New Zealand swimming yeah. before it's all said yeah. and done. Dr. Yeah. David Gerard, Swimming New Zealand President. It's been great to catch up. All the best. Thank you, David. Cheers and many thanks. Bye-bye. There you go. Uh, clear, concise, fair. Awesome. Absolutely. Look, uh, I played with and against uh, players that were taking anabolic steroids. And I can tell you, I always wanted this one one player. We knew that this other one one player who I played against was on them. But this one player, when I was a lot younger, I had no idea. His body shape was poor, you know what I mean? But he had a motor on him, and I used to always wonder, how can you get through 80 minutes like that? And it was 10 years later that it came out that throughout his whole career, and this guy played international football, um, was on was on anabolic steroids. I just think it's so unfair, you know? And when he's talking fairness, level playing field, 
Mate, if you want to have that type of attitude, then go into what they call the open class and all of you take it and get on with it. Yep, fair enough, Kimpy. I don't have experience like that, but I can see where you're coming from. Sorry, ex-president, Swimming New Zealand ex-president, Dr. David Gerard. Just clarification, this we typo on my end. 23 minutes past seven, I've got some breaking news for you around Jesse Bromwich, who has been named the New Zealand Kiwis captain. He's going to lead the Kiwis against Tonga. That's just come through straight into the mailbox, hot off the press. We'll get Kimpy to react to that in a wee bit. We're also going to pick our full black for our great selection, AB's 23. But if you've got any thoughts from Dr. David Gerard there on double eight double three, of course, respectfully, and uh, look, I know this can be a, a hot topic, but if you can just try and keep some clarity and... Uh, maturity around it, would appreciate it, but come through. What do you make of what FINA has done and how can you see this impacting other sports around the world? 23 minutes past seven, here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Well, you said you were going to boycott Kempe if Will Jordan wasn't the clear-cut right-winger. Will Jordan got by landslide. He got it by one. <laughs> Over Sevier Reese. But it doesn't matter. Whether you win by a lip or head yeah. or 20 lengths, you win. I'm glad because I don't want to do the rest of the show by myself today. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad he got up by a nod, a head bobber. Sevier Reese, though, mate. Like, yeah. You, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be out of place if Sevier Reese was named in, in that position. He has been outstanding. So we're picking out All Blacks 23 for the first test against Ireland. Uh, we're nearly at the starting team complete. Will Jordan on the right wing. We've got Caleb Clark on the left. Oh, man. It's a big vote, this one, at fullback, isn't it? Not. There's only one player left, and you said it yesterday. He's the first name down. You said you'd boycott if it wasn't Will Jordan on the right wing. I'll boycott if it's not Geordie Barrett at fullback, <laughs> mate. It has to be Geordie Barrett, doesn't it? Yeah. I've, well, well, who else? If Will Jordan's on the wing, who else is going to play fullback? And this is the thing. He's not in the centres. I know Justin Marshall said on SCNZ the other day, uh, on the rugby run that he would like to have him in the centres. I know you have said you want him in the centres for that big body, that bit of ruthlessness, but Izzy's had the mail. I think we've all seen it earmarked. He's the future fullback, and I think they just want to leave him there. And Fozzie said that. Yeah. He came out, he, he said, even though I've watched him play second 5'8", he hasn't really uh, tickled my boots. So, you know, he goes into that 15 jersey. But he's just as good back there, seriously. I think he is the first. I mean, first name down. He can kick goals from 60 metres. He's good under the high ball. He can get you out of he's trouble tough, with his boot. Mate. He's tough. He's defensively solid. And look, he's not going to do the quick line out and, and throw the ball to the British and Irish Lions like he did all those years ago. He's, like, he's like the hybrid, isn't he? He's like Scotty Barrett, the, the forward. I was saying this to my Bo- friend, mate, the Bo- other day. Barrett, the 5'8". And then in the middle, you've got Geordie Barrett, the hybrid, who can do both. He's He's got the toughness of his brother, Scotty. And he's got the skills and school and speed of his of his as brother Bowden, and then you have the hybrid, which could play league and play centre or fullback. And it's it's uh, <laughs> come it, on, Geordie. It's uh, all come AFL league, forward mate. pocket, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's ironic he's the youngest as well. So he's just I've seen it all and I've built this robot. Yeah, Geordie Barrett's our selection. Double eight, double three. Most votes for the fullback. Who will be Geordie Barrett? Well, I can't tell you that. We'll go to SCNZ underscore Instagram and uh, you tell us who you want to have fullback in the ABs 23. After this, some sports headlines and Kempe reacts to Jesse Bromwich as captain of the Kiwis for this weekend. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota together with Shaping and Building New Zealand.
SENZ is 26 away from 8 o'clock. We're about to do my favourite interview on the history of interviews and talk the Westminster Dog Show. <laughs> if you don't know what the Westminster Dog Show is, it's where all the dogs fly around over all the hoops through the tunnels and uh, B has just won the 16-inch uh, agility competition over there in New York. So we're going to catch up with a reporter out in New York and talk about that. But to start the hour today, uh, it's something completely different on the other end of the seriousness spectrum. And it was Dr. David Gerard, who's former president of Swimming New Zealand, who's over there. Uh, he's had a lifetime in sports and he was talking about the decision from FINA to uh, ban transgender athletes to, from uh, competing in the women's, op- uh, the women's elite level. This is his kind of best explanation of what's gone on. Inclusivity is important, and and this is not meant to be a a transphobic decision that FINA has made. Um, Transgender people are welcome in aquatic sport, but we've got to balance their needs against the requirements and the needs and the rights of over 50% of the world's population, namely biological women. And so that was the balance. It was fine. It was justified. And I think FINA has come up with a a solution that's going to make uh, life a lot easier for um, the many, many female athletes who have been wondering what, what will happen. There you go. That's Dr. David Gerard. If you've missed that, go to Izzy and Kempe for Breakfast, our podcast channel. It's a really educational piece from him about fairness and why FINA has made this decision. Then the breaking news through, Kempe, and you've been spitting tats at me in the break about it. Jesse Bromwich to your, lead the I Kiwis. I love your passion. I love your passion, Louis, but you're also a dead-set South Islander with one patch on who loves to protect uh, the, the very people that play in your Crusaders jersey. The conversation I was having around Jesse Bromwich, look, I reckon it's the wrong decision as naming him captain. That's my opinion. When you've got a bloke like Jerome Hughes in the side that's been earmarked by Melbourne as their captain uh, who they put on their books before Cameron Munster, you're talking about a player who potentially can be uh, held in rugby league in the regard as the same as what Richie McCall can be in rugby union. It's not a comparison on the skill set and the and the which I'm talking to you about of Richie McCaw. It's the potential of him being someone who potentially can lead our Kiwi side around for for a number of years, as did Richie McCaw. So I think they've missed the boat. Personally, Jesse Bromwich, he's on the field for 20 minutes. He goes off. All right, he possibly gets a second stint in the middle in the second half. So who really leads the the, the team around the pitch? Your halves generally do anyway. So why don't you give him the captain's name? Why don't you phone Melbourne and and ac- actually talk to Frank Panisi and, and Bellyache about why they hide the, hold this kid in, in high regard? Um, and by the way, he's got the scene. He, he he's got everything except the scene next to his name anyway. But give him the confidence to go out and lead this this team into the World Cup. I think he can be as good as a captain as Richie McCaw was for the All Blacks. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, Crystal Rotter has been named as Kiwi Ferns captain. She's great. Look, I played against her dad. Um, he was a great centre and he would have played for New Zealand if James Lulawai, uh and Gary Prime weren't the centres at the oh, time. Oh, wow. That's so he was that good. <laughs> so she's great pedigree and uh, she's, a, she's a great hooker and named as, as Kiwi Ferns captain. Well done, Crystal. Yeah, well done to Jesse Bromwich as well. Nothing away from Jesse Bromwich. Oh, but he's a great bloke. Jeez, Jesse, look, the, the Bromwich boys are great. You know, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything about who Jesse is as a person. What I'm yeah. saying is that I probably thought that Jerome Lulawai would have... Uh, Jerome, Jerome Hughes would have been a, a better decision. i tell you who else is a great bloke. Mark from Tauranga. He's come in, he's dropped us coffees oh, this morning wearing his Crusaders scarf. I swear <laughs> it was just an excuse to wear his Crusaders scarf. <laughs> he's, he's also dropped off some slices. So I think 
while we head off and come back to the Westminster <laughs> Dog Show discussion with Amy Kuperinski, who's the Star Ledger Features and Entertainment Writer. Might just get come, a couple of these little slices cut up because the Westminster Dog Show, if you're not aware, is the second oldest annual sporting event in America behind the Kentucky Derby. We're going to learn about it after this. So lock yourselves in, find yourself a little snack, a little spit of slice or something, and get ready to hear about a barking good time. 20, <laughs> 22 away from nine. 20. I'm not going to be able to get, hold it together. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Uh, 17 away from 8, don't worry, we're going to talk the Westminster Doggo, but it's just um, uh, very intense security around the most prestigious <laughs> event of the century. Here's a text for you, and this is kind of what I was alluding to, Kimpy. You're funny, Kimpy. You crack me up. There is only one Richie McCaw, and it doesn't matter how many codes there are. And that's the point I'm getting at. You just can't go I around cherry-picking R- R- Richie McCaw oh, and crowbarring him into other him. arguments. Listen, listen, listen to the portrait king. <laughs> he's got Richie McCormack he's got Richie McCaw sitting above his TV of course you're protecting the icon Sir Richie um, but yeah look I, look I know that every bloke that loves Richie McCaw is, is really hard to compare him to others but yeah that's what you're doing rugby league you compare Andrew Johns to Benji Marshall you compare him to one of the other seven immortals Cam Smith and bits and pieces like that I'm just using it as a comparison um, I'm not saying that he is Richie McCaw Okay, I'm with you there. Uh, we're just having some trouble finding our next guest, Amy. Kempi, you've been thinking a lot about the rugby league um, week that it is for rugby league right now. I know you've run an off-the-back fence around it, and I guess for you, days like this, weeks like this where the Kiwis shirt is put up in lights and in New Zealand after we've been starved of mm. it is so important. Do you want to get into your off-your-back fence? A hundred percent. All right, let's do it. Well, it's not really about the Kiwis, but we're going to have a look at this from good to great one shot. Yeah, that's what I mean. Hmm. You like that, Louis? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that too. That's one opportunity. That's right, the rumours just won't go away. Once again, Reese Walsh has been linked to a big money move to the Dolphins. And to top it off, Reese Lightning has been given a spot on the Maroons' extended bench, a massive tick from the impressive first-up coach, Billy Slater. So what are we to take from that? The rumour that won't go away, and two, that this kid is destined for higher honours. For me, it's about the importance of surrounding himself with capable people who can manage expectation and furnish decisions that can help Reese Lightning reach the top. We all know that the kid can play, but one wrong move can change all of that in a blink of an eye. One poor decision can alter the path of which greatness is achieved. And if this kid can make Billy Slater side so young and from a team who is so underperforming, imagine what he could achieve if his advisors plan a path that has him playing for a top four club. Reese Lightning, from good to great, one shot. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. I thought you were going to go Kiwis, but it's actually another New Zealander. (laughs) He's got one shot. He does. He's got all the talent in the world. And I like what you're saying there. It's not necessarily on him. It's on the people around him as well. Well, it it isn't on him. He's the talent. 
you know, and I've seen this happen time and time again by decisions that have been made which are poor that affect that jump from good to great. And, you know, when I look, picked up the, uh, the, the news yesterday that he'd made the extended bench, and this, this is the point, Billy Slater, you know, who went out and, and won that first game that no one, had, no one picked him to do that, first-time coach, thinks that in his 22 um, maroons that Reese Walsh deserves an extended bench spot. I was like, wow. Like, what does that say about this kid in that Warriors side? Well, uh, that he's an uncut gem, I guess. That's, oh, you couldn't have put it any better, Louis. He's, Seriously. He's, he's, he's got that little bit of magic, but he needs somebody to be able to help him polish it together. And, of course, it's Billy Slater. You know what I mean? So he goes and spends, a, like, we're talking about Roger Tuivasa-Sheck yesterday, you know, going into the all-black setup and, and, and getting that IP. It's the same thing. So, yeah, that rumour that won't go away, man, that's scary. Reese Walsh into the Maroons squad. All things rugby league this week as we head towards some t- a test match. Jesse Bromwich named Kiwi's captain. We're going to try to catch up with Dylan Brown in the next hour. I mean, the possibilities for Reese Walsh, are they endless? Is he an uncut gem? Do you see what Billy Slater sees? 0800 150 811. Give us a call. Let's talk about it. 12 away from 8. Get up. Was awesome every year, every year. It is every year since 1948. I mean, or even older than that, surely. It's the longest nationally televised live dog show. It's uh, the second longest continuously held sporting event in the US. The Westminster Dog Show. And I've been very excited to do this interview for a long time, waiting for it to come around. The Star Ledger features an entertainment writer is Amy Kuperinski. She's on the line. Hey, Amy, how you doing? Yeah, it was so good. The Westminster Dog Show. It's um, look, we don't know much about it in New Zealand, but every time it pops up and I see these dogs flying through the agility course, I think one yeah. day I want to talk about it. Can you give us the background on why this dog show is so prestigious? Well, it has been running for quite a long time. This is the 146th uh, event for Westminster. Um, and uh, it's just basically, we call it the Super Bowl of the dog show uh, world nice. because it's just the ultimate out there. But at the same time, it existed long before the Super Bowl. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, you know, a matter of legacy, I guess. Hey, Amy, so the su- Super Bowl, they, the drafting system and all that sort of stuff, I guess for the breeders of these dogs, it must mean a lot if the dogs are uh, hopping up on that podium at the end of it. What does it do for the breeders? Um, well, I think, you know, uh, there's number one prestige. Um, there's a lot of um, talk about, you know, the, the, the families of dogs, the lineage. Uh, when you get a, a Westminster contender um, in the news, they're usually talked about in, in terms of like who their father, who their grandmother, what maybe, the, maybe they have a Westminster winner in their family, which was certainly the case for last year's winner. Um, so that was a Pekingese name, Wasabi, um, this little <laughs> puff of a dog goes puffing around. And um, it's a, it's, you know, it, they, they often have um, repeat, you know, families uh, winning uh, Best in Show. And we, we're waiting for Best in Show on Wednesday this week. And um, basically, you know, you have a bunch of contenders that are from like sort of these legacy 
um, uh, breeder lineages, you know, where you have, and then the same thing goes for handlers, right? They, they often return like we had with, um, it's certainly in the agility competition, which was just this weekend, um, you had the dog B, the Shetland, Shetland Sheepdog. Um, she won, and while she didn't win before, her handler did. So her handler um, previously won with another dog, a Border Collie. That was the clip I just played, B. What an absolute good girl she was uh, flying around there, the Shetland Sheepdog. What's the uh, prestigious event? Like, What is the one? Is it the best in show, which Wasabi is the defending champ, or is it the agility? The agility is my personal favourite, but I love it in the uh, best in show where there's that lady who I can only assume is the head judge walks around and kind of culls them off if they've got a little bit of fluff missing or whatever. Right, yeah. So, so the traditionally sort of uh you know the top top uh upper crust i don't know if you want to call it a best in show that's what that is you know it's it's kind of um the ultimate but then again you know that's about breeding so mm. uh it's conforming to a breed standard agility is not about that at all actually mixed breed dogs can compete in agility it's one of two events where they can compete the other one is obedience which is going on today um, so, you know, that is, uh, if you're talking about breeding, which Westminster has usually been a closely associated with, then you're talking about best in show. But if you're talking about, you know, sporting sort of events, um, agility is certainly the most interesting to watch. Hey, Amy, I, I, I guess the competitive nature from the, the breeders to the handlers to actually the dogs, there must be some, I guess, cheating that, that you guys, how do you, how do you handle that? <laughs> You know, like the, around the, the, the way that, you know, the can, dogs are looked after and make sure nothing untoward happens. You know, is there is there much of that cheating stuff going on in the background? Well, uh, you know, I, I it's funny. If you walk around, so normally the show is held, um, they, they do the, the sort of uh, first part of competition at uh, the piers in uh, Manhattan, and then they'll have the finals at uh, Madison Square Garden. This year and last wow. year, they had it at um, outside the city, about 20 miles outside the city in uh, Terrytown, New York, on the estate uh, called the Lindhurst Estate. Um, so this is very sort of regal grounds, green grass, and it's different now. Um, but before, you used to be able to walk around in the exhibitors, and you'd see them getting their dogs ready with, like, spray bottles and misting them and <laughs> blow-drying their hair. And so it's like a little beauty salon, you know? And you can go up and talk to them. And so it's actually not as crazy as some like movies, like when you watch like Best in Show, that movie. <laughs> like it's not it can't be it can be kind of out there sometimes, but um for the most part it's pretty uh the, the, the handlers and owners are pretty approachable. Um uh, yeah, and um yeah. so you, know, you don't see a lot of the sort of intrigue you might think that certainly probably happens at some point, but like um, I know there there was a dog disqualified at another point um, recently because not this year but another year because um, there was some um, you know conflict of interest amongst oh the, man the owning family versus the judging family and it was so you know there's a lot of um, I think the dog show world is very interconnected in the human way. <laughs> Oh, it sounds like an absolute wild world. I want to find a New Zealand dog to come and raid your event. I want to find a New Zealand dog to come and take on the Westminster Dog Show. Double eight, double three. If you've got a dog, what's its breed? Can we take it over there to have a go at the Westminster Dog Show? Amy Kuperinski, it's been fabulous talking to you. Love your work on the dog show. We've got to follow it for the rest of the event.
We're going to go get him at Cafe Coffee now. He is Aroha of the News for Kubota, together with Shaping and Building New Zealand. That was Amy Kuparinski talking the Westminster Dog Show. Back after eight. House Finals Fever Sale and find 20% off the Musashi Sports Nutrition Range. And Kogan Mobile, New Zealand's cheapest unlimited prepay plans. Visit koganmobile.co.nz. This is Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. CNZ, four minutes past eight o'clock this morning. Big hour to close us off, Kempi. We're going to track down Dylan Brown out of the Kiwis camp. That's nice. Yeah, you're going to love that. I know you are. 100%. A little bit of Northland heritage. Oh, another one out of Northland. Good old Dylan Brown. Gee, he can play. Remember when you were convinced he was going to be the Warriors big signing? Oh, I know. Remember when we never got that signing? Are you surprised? No, it's just as what it is. Four minutes past <laughs> eight o'clock. Uh, we've had a big show so far. Uh, we caught up with Dr. David Gerard. He was great. Who is the former president of Swimming New Zealand. He's up there at the World Champs at the moment, speaking about FINA's decision around transgender athletes. Go and educate yourself. Have a listen to that podcast. I found it fascinating. We just caught up with Amy Kuparinski, who is the star ledger which is the New Jersey uh, newspaper's features and entertainment writer. She spoke to us about the Super Bowl of dog shows, which was good. the Westminster uh, dog show. Now, I just, I feel like we didn't quite give it justice, and especially the Shetland Sheepdog Bee, who has won the 16-inch Masters Agility Championship with her handler, Jennifer Crank, and Kieran's put this together, so, Kez, we need to play this out. This is the story of Bee. Fastest dog in qualifying in the 16-inch class. The last dog to run. Can it overtake Madison and be a champion here at Westminster? Up and over the same frame. Touch. Beautiful. Get into that tunnel. I love she's saying good, good. She's rewarding her dog verbally. It's awesome. There we go. One last jump to go. Got it. There it is. There it is. There's your new leader, your new winner. That was awesome. So happy. The guardians in the physical world, the dogs, eh? You know, always looking after their owners and their handlers and just to hear that. Oh, if you're a dog lover, you you have to be a dog lover to get that, Louis. You, oh, what, what are you? Oh, I'm loving it. Are I'm you? loving it, man. I can barely help myself together. The barks, the happy barks oh. from B. it's so good. Anyway, so that if you, if you want to know about the Westminster Dog Show, go listen to Kempi for Breakfast podcast with Amy Kuparinski. Uh, Kempi, we're going to talk some golf very shortly. A couple of ticks. Walsh has all the makings of an NRL star. Just look for someone to, f- someone so fresh he already has an off-season drug offence. Yeah, that's from Mark. And that wasn't ideal. That's why the people around him are so key, right? Oh, yeah, that's a, that's that's what I'm getting at, Mark. Exactly right. You know, it's about decisions and as a young guy making the right ones because they do change your life, you know. They do change your life. If you get um, surrounded by good people, 
you know, it's not about the right people. It's about good people. You know, he can uh, he can boot he can boot on this this could he's got the world at his feet. And Chris has come through. I coached Walsh's best mate for a couple of years, uh, Brendan, who has been signed for the Broncos for long term, and is also a young father. He will end up in Brisbane region down the track for sure. Cheers, Chris. Can I just touch on that? Mm. Just I made a phone call to a mate of mine this morning at uh, half past five. Mm-hmm. Yep, and we got talking about just stuff general and he had a mate sitting next to him and he's uh, down in New Plymouth and he goes hey Kempe um, there's a young kid who plays number 8 for New Plymouth Boys High School down at the moment Kevy Walters has phoned him up um, said he can come over give him a car put him in school no you're kidding and keep him at the Broncos you know what I mean and I just he said what's going on there and I said you know that's where we've got development so wrong in this country is where someone can go into New Plymouth Boys High School and see a kid who's a number eight. He's obviously a decent player. Um, Paul Tucker, I think his name was. And he is scouted by the Brisbane Broncos, not not by our own sides here in New Zealand. So, um, and, I, that, and, you know, that's just one story of thousands every year. Oh, mate, Tohu Harris is a prime example. Is he spoken about when he's got down there with a 13-year-old lad um, in Christchurch? And, and actually, we're going to catch up after the show. We're going to go and have a... Uh, well, a day out or a morning out at the All Blacks training and hear New Zealand Rugby's 2025 strategy and look, retain player retention at every level crucial. is crucial. So we'll go and do that. But it is eight minutes past 8 a.m. this morning. S-E-N-Z. Well, another major has been completed for the 2022 golfing season and another 20-something-year-old has declared himself not just as one of the best ball strikers on planet Earth, but a major champion. And maybe England's answer to the young wave of Americans wanting the next thing mantle. Matt Fitzpatrick held his nerve to win at the country club yesterday, finishing with a round of 68 to edge Will Zalatoris, who again falls one shot short of his major triumph. Paul Hingham was covering the event for the BBC. He's with us now. G'day, Paul. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. How are you, Lock? Yeah, no, we're good down here, mate. We love our golf in um, New Zealand. Unfortunately, our two Kiwis, Foxy and Danny Lee, didn't even make the cut. Whereas your man, he went on to, well, close it out in quite impressive fashion. How good was Matt Fitzpatrick over the week? I mean, he was he, he was stellar, wasn't he? I mean, he, he had maybe not the best couple of rounds in the middle, but that final round... I mean, we're still in a bit of a daze over here because obviously it's quite late at night. But I think when it all, when it's all said and done and a dust has settled, that will be one of the best final rounds in a major. I think we've ever seen really just to to hold his nerve the way he did under you know constant pressure from Will Zalatoris, constant pressure from Scotty Scheffler, and you know the bunker shot on 18. That will be one of the great closing shots of any major. You know, no real no real place to go. Does he chip out? No, not a bit of it. He, he, Straight away said, I'm going for this. Went for the green. Had to play a high cut, you know, across all kinds of trouble. You know, if that if that doesn't go the right way, if he mishits that, he's gone. You know, that's he's not even getting into a playoff. He is done. And it's to pull off that shot and force Will Zalatoris to try and make a putt for about 15 feet just to get into a playoff. I mean, it's unbelievable stuff from Fitzpatrick. And I think all of England is very, very proud of that young man. Yeah, I'd say. I've been up there when Faldo was winning loads of tournaments. He said it in his post-match tournament uh, media conference that he would like to win six major champions. Do you see him as the answer to the Nick Faldo days uh, up there in England? Possibly. I mean, he's, he's obviously he's the lead and possibly only candidate in England at the moment. I mean, we've 
we've had the, the old guard of the Polters and the Westwoods and the Donalds never managed to get over the line to get that job done, you know, in the majors. He's got one. He's only 27. He's got plenty of golf left in him, yeah. And I think, importantly, he's got the game. You know, he hasn't got one real strength. He hasn't got one real weakness. And I think his major strength now is just his mentality. I mean, he started the final group at the USPGA at Southern Hills, and he shot 73 to finish fifth. Never really got into that tournament, really, but he started that day three back. And he, he never really got the sense, but I must admit, from the first tee shot he, he hit at uh, Brooklyn, you knew he was on his game. This guy was, he was going to take something special to beat this guy. He's got an all-round game. He can put, he can chip, he can hit irons. And his major flaw used to be that he wasn't as big. He couldn't hit it as long as the big guys. Well, he can hit it now. He's sneaky long. He, he can send it out there a good way, trust me. And with the Open coming up in three weeks, I'm a guy who's brought up on, on Lynx Golf. I mean, he'd be a brave man to back against him. Yeah, we'll cover the Open in a wee bit, Paul. I'd love to get your theories on uh, this year's Open because I think it's going to be a little bit special as well at the old course. But you make the point. He he actually said, I think back when Bryson DeChambeau was smashing 18 eggs and six protein shakes a day, he said, oh, anybody anybody could get bigger off the tee. It's not hard. The hard thing to do is accuracy. Is it true he's recorded every one of his shots since he was about 13 years of age? Because I've seen that reported a couple of places, but it sounds insane. It, it does sound insane, but him and Eduardo Molinari have a special database going where they, they input all the numbers. And yes, from about 15, I, I think it's pro rounds, as, pro rounds as well, but I mean, people have said it's every single shot he even just messing about with mates. It just shows the attention to detail, this guy. He's one of the hardest workers on the tour. You leave no stone unturned, and you've got to these days. You know, Like you said, Brooks can come up there, uh, Bryson can come up there, Dustin Johnson, and they send it such a long way. It's hard for guys like Fitzpatrick and your normal pro golfer to keep up with them. Now, whether they'll have to face these guys in the majors coming up is a different story with Liv, Liv Golf and all the other shenanigans around in the world of golf at the minute. But let's not forget, Mitch Fitzpatrick can hit it. You know, he's not short these days. He can hit it as far as he needs to, and he's such a good iron player. He's such a good chipper now as well, even with that funny chip and grip that he's got that nobody seems to know how, how in the world he gets that to work. But he's such a good player. He, you know, he can he can match anyone these days. And I just think he's, he's an absolutely... He's a credit to himself, a credit to England. And I think he's only just getting started as well, which could be the scary thing for the rest of the tour. Hey, Paul, did the did the pedigree of um, Matt Fitzpatrick, did it sort of catch everyone off guard or was it been a story that's been brewing underneath up, up there in England and then everyone knew that uh, an, a champion uh, was in the making I think this is one I think this is a definite one depends on which side of the, of the Atlantic you sit on whether you, you thought he could win a major or not you know he, he's won seven times on the DP World Tour European Tour as we like to call it in some places you know, you don't win seven times if you can't play golf. You know, winning any golf tournament with, you know, 150 mm. players trying to win it is is really tough. And to close out seven, and big ones, you know, big ones in Dubai and stuff, you know, the guy can win. He won the 2013 Amateur Championship, US Amateur, as we know, at the same course at Brooklyn. And that was a stacked field. You know, Bryson was in that field. Scotty Scheffler was in that field. That was a hell of an amateur field that he, that he beat at Brookline as well. And now he's doubled up. You know, only only Matt Fitzpatrick and Jack Nicklaus have won the US Open and the US Amateur at the same course. Matt Fitzpatrick is the only non-American to win the US Amateur and the US Open. 
that is a hell of a pedigree that he's got for himself now. And I think it's just for us on this side of, of, of the Atlantic and England, I think it's just confirmation of the fact that he's got a, a major game. I think in America, it might have taken them by surprise a little bit because he, he doesn't play there full time. He plays as, he plays across the world, really, but in Europe and in America. But I think over here, we've always known he's got the game. We did wonder after the USPGA, that final round was a worry. You know, was that the pressure that just got to him? But he's answered that and then some as well. Yeah, he certainly has. Now, you called it shenanigans before what's going on with LIV golf. Uh, <laughs> it's a very interesting time to be a professional golfer. I I kind of wondered with the Live Golf uh, setup if it was actually the DP World Tour, the European game, that was more at risk of being hollowed out and devalued just by nature of what the, the makeup of the field is going to look like. Um, yeah, your Westwoods, your Polters, those guys sitting around the table. Do you think that uh, English and European golf desperately needed this major champion? Like we've got, obviously, John Rahm for European golf was huge, but Matt Fitzpatrick as an English golfer and as a really well-spoken young dude who has a bit of that kind of Justin Thomas, um, Rory McIlroy, he's got that glint, he's got that flair, he's got that polish. Do you think that you really needed that and he's come along and won this tournament at the perfect time? I think with the, the European Tour, DP World Tour, is such an interesting situation. And I think you've got to almost separate the two things out in that players like John Rahm and, and McElroy and even Fitzpatrick to an extent, you know, they're not, you know, they don't play exclusively on the European Tour. You know, Westwood and Polter, they did not play exclusively on the European Tour. They play mainly on the PGA Tour. The big events on the PGA Tour, they turn up there. They turn up for the big events and the odd smaller events over here in the European Tour, but most of the time they're playing on the PGA Tour. So the new Live Golf, it's not really stealing players from from the um, from the European Tour. It's mainly taking the big PGA Tour big names off them. And I think what's fascinating really is now they're banned from the PGA Tour, the European Tour has a really big decision to make because, you know, for 14 weeks of the year they'll be playing, but a lot of other weeks you're going to have the likes of, um, you know, Dustin Johnson and Phil Mickelson and Westwood and Polter, who have got nothing to do. They can't play on the PGA Tour because they're suspended. Will the European Tour then allow those guys in and sort of launch almost a, a war against the PGA Tour with providing them an alternative place to play? Now, they've got a strategic alliance with the PGA Tour, in inverted commas, because we've not really seen much of that. So that they could also ban those players and sort of make sure that they can only play and live and nowhere else is 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 a big question facing the European Tour. But he, he's a great ambassador for European golf, Matt Fitzpatrick. European Tour is a slightly different story just because he doesn't play in the, those events week in, week out. He turns up for the big ones. So for the European, for the European golf, it's, it's fantastic. And hopefully going towards the Ryder Cup and things like that, he'll be you know our leaders along with, with Rory and Rahm. For the European Tour and their battle against Live Golf, I, I think it's a different story altogether. Hey, Paul, we're only a month out from St. Andrews, and I, I love that uh, that event. It's just loaded with um, stories at the end of the week, and we've seen some players coming into good form here um, as we lead into this tournament. What what can we expect, uh, do you think, from that tournament? Is it, is it going to play out with the Schefflers and the, and the McElroys and, of course, our man that's just won, Matt Fitzpatrick, or are you guys thinking that it's there's some other Europeans over there that might be hitting the front um, line at the end of the week. 
Well, I think I mean, it's going to be so special. The 150th Open at the home of golf at St Andrews. It's such an incredible, if you've ever been, if you haven't been to any golf tournament, if you need to go to one, it's this one. <clears throat> and it's going to be an absolutely fantastic event. And there will be a story. You know, there'll be someone from somewhere that we don't know, or un- unheralded local star who will, you know, come up with a, a first-round lead or a second-round lead or be there or thereabouts. But I think what recent history is telling us in the majors is it will be the big guns, and more importantly, but the big guns in form. You know, we got spoiled, didn't we, by Tiger winning sort of every other major we played in, which was just an unbelievable run. What we're seeing now is sort of a part-time streaky dominance in the sport where McElroy can win four majors, Spieth can win a few, Brooks Kepka can win four out of, I think, six or eight it was in a fantastic run. And then they sort of tail off a bit because you cannot maintain that sort of level of dominance in a major, you know, in major golf format, unless you're Tiger Woods. So I think what you're going to find now is you're going to find Scheffler, Fitzpatrick, Zalatoris, Morikawa, even who had, you know, three fantastic rounds at Brookline with just one really bad round in the third round, taking them out of the picture. But I think you're going to find the big ones who are in form because as we've seen, Scheffler's there or thereabouts. Fitzpatrick, now that's two majors. He's been in the final group. Who's to say he can't do it at St Andrews? Will Zalatoris second and then second. This guy, we've got to give Will some some credit. He did not back down. He didn't flinch. He didn't lose that. Fitzpatrick won it. So with the mentality he's shown, especially for a guy who's never won on the PGA Tour, let alone a major, he'll be there or thereabouts again. So I think it will be one of these guys because I just think with only three weeks, the form will not go. You can take that form into the next round. And I think maybe Rahm would be the worry because I think his final round at the US Open was really poor, but he should be there or thereabouts again. Rory McIlroy is obviously the interesting one. You know, he's like the flag bearer almost of normal golf, PGA Tour and European Tour against the Live Golf. He's had that. He won the Canadian Open the week before. So he had a lot on his plate heading into the US Open. And yet he managed to he finished in the, I think he was fifth, tied fifth again. And he's finished in the top eight now of all three majors this year. And he's never done that before ever in his career. So, you know, he's waited eight years to win a major. That's long enough for a player, you know, as talented as Rory McIlroy. So, I think it's going to be one of those familiar names that's going to be lifting the claret jug in just, I think it's three weeks' time. Yeah, it's coming up fast, Paul, and you're so right on Will Zalatoris. And an alternate reality, just a slightly one, he he could have won three majors on the trot here, so we've got to give him a massive shout-out. Appreciate you and your time today. Great work uh, covering the event for the Beeb. Um, it was great to read your stuff and enjoy the old course for the 150th version of, well, edition of... Uh, the Open. What an absolute spectacle it'll be. Thanks for your time, Paul. Cheers. S-E-N-Z. There you go. Uh, talking all things US Open golf, where Matt Fitzpatrick, just so sharp, and that 18th bunker shot. Wow! Wowee, big bully pants on for Matt Fitzpatrick, and that's how you win a major. There you go. Park the golf for the next wee while until uh, Greg Norman steers at someone with those shark eyes again, and then we'll have to talk about it. Now, before we head off and get back with Paul Mwadi of TAB, good news. Richie from the Carpety Coast found himself with two All Blacks tickets to the Wellington All Blacks Mouldy tickets to the Wellington game when they take on Ireland. Get in behind our Mouldy All Blacks when they take on Ireland. Tickets available at allblacks.com. Except I've got one more double pass. An adult double pass to the Hamilton game. Now that is when the Mouldy All Blacks will stake their claim against Ireland. The first look we will get at the Irish touring side. And I've got a double pass. All you gotta do is text your name. To double eight double three with the words all blacks Mouldy 
and who your favourite All Black Mouldy player of all time is. I don't care what generation, I don't care what era. Text your favourite All Black Mouldy player, your name, and the words All Black Mouldy to 8833 right now. You can secure your tickets at allblacks.com or you can just text 8833 and we'll hook someone up with a double pass to that Hamilton match. 23 minutes past eight, here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Paulie Mawadi, we might have to get some odds on the upcoming league this weekend, Kempi, from the great man Paul after this. Is he still having a sleep in at Millbrook? Or he might be out of bed by now. I'll tell you who's out of bed is Paul Mawati at tab.co.nz. Jesse Bromwich has been named skipper of the side, Paulie. The Kiwis against Tonga. Do you have a market up for this yet? Yeah, Mate Ma'a Tonga Kiwis match. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yes, we certainly do, and the punters have already got stuck in as well. So, um, look, early on, uh, the money was coming for the Kiwis. It's a very, very strong Kiwi side that's been named there. Um, the halves look very, very good. Uh, it's a huge forward pack, but um, the Tongan side, are, uh, they're no slouches themselves, but at the moment, there's a wee bit more sort of action the way of the Kiwis. Uh, both in the head-to-head market and the point start market. So um, I guess just with the side that's been named uh, and with Bromwich being named captain, uh, I can understand the confidence from Kiwi punters out there. So, yeah, the back, uh, the Kiwis at $1.25. Uh, and they're also taking... They're also taking the Kiwis minus 11.5 points at $1.90. Um, what do you reckon, Kiwi? Oh, yeah. TAB's confident. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a very very good Kiwi side. Um, now I know the Tongans have named a side that's got a whole lot of NRL experience across the park, but um, yeah, this, this is one of the most. Uh, I don't know. I, I I just feel confident myself. I'm I'm with the bookies this time. I, I think the dollar twenty five is a, a wee bit of value. So um, I know there'll be plenty of red support in the crowd though. Um, and that'll get the Tongans up certainly early on, um, but uh, yeah, I'm with the money and the bookies at the moment at a dollar twenty-five. I'm also having a look at the All Blacks Ireland uh, match because this is where uh, it gets interesting. Ireland are four dollars to win the first test against the All Blacks, who are a dollar twenty-two. I can tell you, forty percent of the turnover uh, in that match result market is on the. Irish to win at $4. This is a test at Eden Park, right? Yes. The All Blacks yeah. aren't losing that. Like, it doesn't matter how out of form they are. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it, it, like, seriously. If, if Have the for... Irish ever won a test match there, Paulie? No. A dollar twenty-two is probably as good value you ever get for the All Blacks for a game at Eden Park. That is... Oh. 22%. Return. I, and like you call me an arrogant All Blacks fan, well, I just think there's something that eventually history is history because of its history, right? <laughs> and things just don't happen. Paulie, we're going to let you go, but let's pick this up tomorrow. I find that very interesting. 29 away from nine. Download the TAB app today. We'll get Paulie Mighty back on the All Blacks Irish game and get into that one tomorrow with a bit more time because I think that's fascinating. Uh, here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Together we're shaping a build in New Zealand. And Joey is being very patient. We're going to chat to Joey in Auckland about Reese Walsh after this.
SCNZ, we are 26 and a half minutes away from 9 o'clock this morning. Kempi and me out on a little field trip after this. We're going to go head to Auckland Grammar School and watch the All Blacks train and learn a little bit about New Zealand rugby's strategy. I tell you what New Zealand rugby strategy should be, and that's trying to keep Scott Robertson in the country, but whether he stays or whether he goes... It's up in the air at the moment because uh, at the end of the World Cup cycle, his contract has a clause meaning he can get out. And I know there's going to be a lot of questions about that over the next wee while from punters and media alike. But talking Reese Walsh, Kempe, you're off the back fence today was about Reese Walsh. I called him an uncut gem. Joey's in Auckland and you've got some thoughts on the young man, Joey. How are you doing? Yeah, good boys. Look, it's a no-brainer for him, really. I mean, he's from Queensland. Um, he's if you're going to get coached by Wayne Bennett, and 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 you're 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 going to go get one of the best coaches ever, uh, so if you were his manager, you would say to him, look, you know, go go. You know, if if, if put it this way, if you were playing for Belmain Belmain Tigers and you were a Kiwi, and you had you had Jesse Bromwich, the Bromwich brothers coming to the Warriors and Wayne Bennett coaching them. You would go. You would. You would go back to and you and your Kiwi. You would go back to New Zealand. It's a no-brainer for him. He's. I don't, I don't think he's a fullback. I think he's. I think he's a. Can be turned into a five-eight, because he's got that pure, pure out-and-out speed and class as as a five-eight that you can't coach. And he can go on an outsider player. Can't be all know this. He can beat a player on the outside and bring the the player that's marking you coming in, and then he offloads to you and puts you in a hole. Well, once he's through a hole. He's very hard to catch because he's so quick. Yeah. Uh, and if he plays for the for the Warriors at five eight, I'm telling you now, he he could be playing for Australia at the end of the year in the World Cup. I think that's I th- how good he is. Yeah. Look, I think he he possibly could get a shot too. You know, if uh, SJ doesn't pick his form up when he comes home in that five eight jersey. Look, I agree with you. I, I think the spying, you know, the week that he spends with Billy Slater, who as a fullback revolutionised the the fullback position with his passing game. Um, is going to bring the best out of uh, Reese. I, I hear what you're saying about Wayne Bennett too, Joey. You know, like one of the things that kids don't do when they they decided on what clubs to go to is their homework on the development of that club, especially in that junior, in that junior ranks, and taking them through to a to that NRL 50 plus footballer. Um, and it's a, you know, a lot of credit in what you're saying about Wayne Bennett. We don't know who's coaching the Warriors next year. I think Reese's, uh, you know, advisors will have that at the back of their mind. Um, whether or not he plays 5-8, Joey, uh, mate, that's, that's a course they suggest Joey, to make. Joey, can I just ask you a question? You sound like yeah. you know what you're talking yeah. about around rugby league, especially these, these positions. Defensively, how much upside... Like he, he has to have upside if he wants to succeed, but where defensively can he improve? Does he need to get bigger in the upper body? Is it technique? Well, no, no. I, at fullback, I was always told by, by my uncle, at fullback, you on this, he's played fullback, when guys are running at you, and I've played fullback too, when guys are running at you, when they get with about, within about 10, 5 tenths, say, 8 metres from you, you run straight at them, and they panic. If you stand there, they will, they will gash you on the outside or inside or offload, not a problem. And, and with, with Reese Walsh, his defence at fullback is, is not great, um, and I don't, I don't believe in all this, this, this carry-on they've got now where you've got to play on the left-hand side, right-hand side. When I played rugby league... I played in the middle. I played 5'8", and I had to tackle the big boys. Kempe played 5'8". He had to tackle the big boys too. I don't believe because you're, you're a, a, um, a halfback or whatever, you have to play way out in the centres 
because you're you're smaller and you can't tackle the big boys. I don't believe that. I mean, look at mm. look at um, Jazz Tavang, Ringer. He's small, but he tackles all the big guys all the time. Yeah, look, so I, to me, you know. Yeah, I, look, I used to yeah. I used to love defending, but I wasn't a small five eight. Um, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story. Thanks a lot for your call, Joey. Um, but on that on that fullback stuff, when I made my first I made my first grade debut at fullback. Yeah. I don't know if you know yeah, that you, in Newcastle. Yeah. The the very the second week after my first grade debut, the coach came to me and he said, "I'll tell you what, if anyone makes a break, they don't get up." Wow. So did they? No. <laughs> did you? Was it legal? Well, there were no cameras back in those days, and the, <laughs> and the answer to that is no. But I tell you, I the t- coach only had to say that once, and Joey's right. They, they, if you put anyone in second in second minds, they are going to panic when they make a break. Kimpy, I tell you, who hits hard in the halves. That's Dylan Brown. He's in the Kiwis camp. We want him to wear that number six. I know you want him to wear that number six jumper this weekend. We're going to catch up with him after this out of the immediate session right now. We're going to um, head off, come back with Dylan Brown. Right now, you can call us on the Kennard's Hire phone line 0800 150 811. If you've got anything rugby league or any questions you want to know from the youngster Dylan Brown, get in touch or send us a message, double eight double three on the Temper Bed Post text machine as well. We'll be back with the youngster Dylan Brown, a guy who Kempe has huge raps on after this. Is in Kempe for breakfast, this is <laughs> You're listening to Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on SENZ. Oh, it's a big week. The return of International Rugby League after a layoff that no one would ever want to see again. He's a star in the making if he's not one already in the NRL. Uh, young half who hits pretty hard. I wouldn't call him an enforcer, but geez, I wouldn't want to run into one of those shoulders, Kempe. We've got Dylan Brown on the line. He's out of the media session right now. Morning, Dylan. How are you doing? Morning, good morning. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, I'm feeling good. How are you all? Hey Dylan, it's Kempe, mate. Uh, congratulations on your inclusion in the Kiwi team and uh, representing the black, the black jersey, mate. You must be excited. Yeah, hundred percent. Any time to you know get in some black kid is uh, obviously an unreal feeling, and uh, hopefully I can get it there, there on the weekend and uh, be on. So yeah, real keen. Mate, got enough tickets coming coming back? Um, Hikarangi Stags. I, I see that you come through from the Whangarei, uh crew up there. The Farno, they will be on the phone to you saying, mate, make sure you got us some tickets. You got plenty. Yeah, hundred. All the fans, you know, those the mates hitting up the last minute one saying, "Give me some tickets." I uh, had a few messages this morning, so um, I'm trying my best, but we'll have to see how we go. Hey, Dylan, I, you know, noticed that you ran into Benji when you ran out on the weekend. You must be um, so excited that you're filling the filling the number six jersey after you know, going and after Benji and his his electric career. What do you What do you hope to uh, bring to that jersey when you when you go out there against Tonga? Yeah, it's pretty pretty overwhelming when you say it like that. Obviously, he's the goat and he's done, done some amazing things, obviously, in the black jersey. Um, but, yeah, no, I feel like my role in the six is to um, just uh, have a down play footy and do what I do best. So I, I try not to think about it too much because when I do, you know, I get pretty nervous. So, um, but, yeah, I'm just glad to be in camp, hey. Yeah, it's a pretty cool feeling, mate. And the man speaking to you there, Kempe, like, he's too humble to say it, but he represented it, got to throw on that jersey, and I think he's filled with pride when he sees young young Kiwis coming through that know their place in history. But you must have modelled your um, playing style off some New Zealand rugby league legends coming through. I know you would have played against Benji a bit. Who are the guys that you look to and you think, oh, I can be a bit of that? Oh Well, obviously, like me growing up, I was uh, more of a union player and when I started watching league a bit more, it was it was Shawnee Johnson in there doing his thing. So I feel like he's sort of the, the role model for me that I've always looked up to. And um, yeah, now hopefully um, I can chuck on um, some things that he can do. Obviously, you know, it's pretty pretty hard to follow up Shawnee, but. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, mate, you must be, you know, pretty uh, happy that Jerome Hughes is in the seven jersey. Um, yeah. You know, and, and Joey Manu's playing at fullback with Brandon obviously jumping out of the hooker. What a spine, mate. How's it shaping up at yeah. training? Yeah, no, that's right. No, we, we still yet to have our first training session. Um, that'll be today. But like you said, you know, having Hughes in you know, there is massive. You know, he's going to be the organiser there, which helps for me because, you know, me and my power managers, it's the same sort of role. I'm the sixth man, which organises most of the things. So um, to have him there and enjoy money at the back, of, yeah, it's pretty exciting. And like you said, yeah, Brandon too, he's just like having another lock at our hooker. So uh, I'm sure he'll be on the ball a lot. The the squad that's been named is pretty freakish, really. Like you know what it's like that top level in the NRL, and you hand picked a bunch of players out that are uh, all in that kind of top six. The Eels, you guys are sitting on twenty points in a cluster there with the Sharks, the Bronx. You're not too far away from the top four. How do you feel like your club season's going for Parramatta? Yeah, I feel like um, we're a bit all over the place. Hey, eh? you know we know what we're capable of um, with Parramatta. Um, let's just finding that consistency. Like you know, we went down to the dogs. Um, they obviously played unreal as well, though. So, um, for us to bounce back against the Roosters was very important because you just needed that, you know, heading into the second half of the season. You know, we need to be up there in the top four to give us every chance when it comes to funds. Yeah, mate, you guys will be there. I know, no doubt, um, Dylan. And your football will go to another level after you go home uh, after representing New Zealand. That's just the go. Just to just to give you a little bit of history on that jersey, there's a few Northlanders that've been in there. Olsen Fulapina, um, he's from the far north from Kaikoui. Um, myself, I was, born in Fa- I was born in Whangarei, um, but before wearing that as a caretaker with that jersey, and um, and now having another Northland kid out of Hikarangi Stags, uh, mate, so proud of, of what you can do. Yeah, that's mean to hear. Mate, the, for- the forward pack, you know, you look at the forwards, you're playing, you know, obviously against a number of those uh, middle players, Nelson Sifos, um as well as the Bromwich boys, uh, you throw in there uh, Fisher-Harris. What do you think the middle can bring to this game? Because that's where it's going to be won against Tonga, eh? Yeah. Well, like you said, those names there that you just mentioned, you know, when we come up against them and their club teams, it's the, it's the players they're watching out for and we're making sure we shut down. So to have them um, leading our pack forward is going to be unreal and it's going to allow us to um, play some good footy. But don't get me like, don't get us wrong. You know, Tonga's got a massive pack as well, so... Um, we're going to have our hands full. Okay. Hey, um, make sure you wear you know, your bright coloured tattoos today, mate. When you go to training, you know you know the you know the uh, the initiation will happen today. It'll probably happen at the end of training. So have your huckered yeah, down, yeah, yeah. have yep, your yep. huckered down, Pat. And um, all the yep, best for I, this I, week. I, uh, I'm looking forward to watching you, mate. I think you're the most exciting 5'8 we've had come since, Benji. And uh, looking forward to you building not only in this game, but through to the World Cup, mate. All the best. All the best from me. All the best from all the Kiwis uh, that have played before you and especially from all of our New Zealand Fano that will be supporting you this weekend. Thanks for coming on the show, Izzy and Kippy, for breakfast. Man, man, thank you guys. Thank you very much. Very kind words. Thank you guys. No worries, Dylan. Champion. There you go. Dylan Brown, youngster out of the Eels. And, um, oh, man, that was pretty cool, Kimpy. You could just hear how much it meant to him. Oh, not only him, but just from... Mate, I got I, I got a big lump in my throat just thinking about the jersey. You know, because one of the things that you know when you get gifted that jersey, because it is a gift, you know what I mean? It's not yours, but you... I, I say every time I pulled on a jersey, whether it be at a new club or for the Kiwis, I was always thinking about the person that wore it before you and just knowing what he's going through this week when he grabs that jumper and he'll look at it and he'll get 
he'll get goosebumps. You know what I mean? So I uh, just wanted to, you know, he probably doesn't know the history of a couple of players that are from the, uh, from the far north, like myself and Olsen, that have worn that jersey before him. Um, and, of course, his idols and Benji and Sean too, you know. So um, pretty, pretty cool thing to be doing is to be handed that jersey uh, with the history that goes alongside it. So great little interview from, from Dylan, mate. He's he's got a big career in the Kiwi Kiwi uh, team, I think. Yeah, here, here, Kempi. And look, speaking of um, history and prestige and whānau around the country, that's proud. Anyone that's ever worn the All Blacks mouldy jersey knows exactly what that's about. And I'm asking you on double eight, double three, the Temper Bay Post text machine, who is your favourite mouldy All Black of all time? I've got two tickets, an adult double pass to the game against Hamilton. It's the first time we'll see Ireland. Allblacks.com for tickets or just text us. Who's your favourite All Black mouldy, mouldy All Black of all time? Leave your name along there. Richie is saying how do you get your tickets? The boys will be in touch with you there. We'll, we'll sort that out, mate. Don't worry about that. You're heading to the Wellington game. Double pass to the Hamilton game. Up for grabs and Dave I've got your text here I've got your text here saying right on for Super Rugby Supremacy we might read that one tomorrow morning we've got a bit more time mate because after this we're going to catch up with the doyen Ian Smith to sleep on it looking forward to it nine away from nine for logbook servicing you can rely on you need to make the right choice you need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications for real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty book in or book online at repcoservice.com